everyone, and welcome to another episode of the BayCare Clinic Podcast. My name is Alicia Schertz, and I'll be your host for this episode. We live in a digital world. On any given day, we're staring at screens longer and more frequently than ever before. Even today's children have grown up with technology. And with that potential comes potential consequences. Some studies have linked screen time on digital devices to an increase in the development of myopia, or nearsightedness. I'm joined today by Dr. Brad Lavalley, optometrist at Baycare Clinic Eye Specialist, to discuss screen time and its effects on our vision. Stick with us today as we discuss just how much is too much. Dr. Lavalley, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So let's start just by talking about myopia. What is it and how does it affect people? Myopia, most people know it better by nearsightedness. Someone who's nearsighted without glasses or contacts helping them, they can't see well in the distance. So it'll blur our distance vision. And is this is this something that's common? How how many people are affected by this? Oh gosh. In our in our practice and I would guess most practices in the world there's there's nothing more common than nearsightedness. Um I would guess on any given day, 90% of my patients I see are nearsighted, and that's increasing. Yeah, so you are seeing an increase, and I think we're going to get to that a little bit later. But can you talk maybe a little bit about the science of that? What's happening with someone's eyes if if they're nearsighted? So someone with perfect vision, when they're looking at anything, light enters their eye, and it would focus perfectly on the back of their eye. Someone who's nearsighted, that light focuses in front of the back of the eye. So now when patients need glasses or contacts, we're just refocusing that light once again to get it on the back of the eye. Interesting. And so what what types of symptoms is a person experiencing if, if they have this? Blurry vision. They can't see far away. If if you're a parent with children, you might see them squinting, possibly complaining of headaches. Maybe their school grades are slipping. But uh, generally speaking, blurry vision in the in the distance without help. Yeah, and you had you had talked about it already. So this this is a condition that's been around. You said it's the most common, probably that you've seen in your practice and probably all practices. But we've noticed now that there are some studies out there suggesting that there may be a potential increase in the number of people suffering from myopia. What are those studies saying, and and maybe what's the cause of that? Yeah, and in my eye world, if you will, um, all my journals I read, um, they're they're calling this the myopic epidemic. So, yeah, just across the world, you're just seeing a greater incidence of of myopia or nearsightedness, and and that rate is increasing not only in the numbers of people, but also in how nearsighted people um, become, and we're seeing nearsightedness develop at at an earlier age. you know, this topic is with with our near work and our computer use and, you know, especially with children amongst all of us. Um, but I, I feel strongly that's at least a, a contributing factor um, as well as there's a lot of research now that is suggesting children's lack of natural light or just outdoor time playing is contributing to this. It's pretty interesting over in China they're doing studies now where some of their elementary schools have glass roofs just to introduce this natural daylight to see if this will help slow this this nearsightedness progression that's currently occurring. Yeah, and so it really is. And, and again, not all studies are conclusive, but it's pretty obvious that there may be a correlation between the amount of time that people are spending on their devices, children 
do you, are you seeing this in people of all ages? Yeah, more so with the children. Again, we're seeing them become nearsighted younger and um, develop a greater amount of nearsightedness. Um, historically, we, when a child would come in and that was nearsighted, they would slowly worsen and worsen through their teen years, and then most of them would stop worsening by around the age of 20. Now I'm seeing that nearsightedness progress even into the mid and late 20s, so it can affect all ages. I want to talk a little bit about, I mean, this is more of a personal question for you, but are you concerned about about children and the amount of time that they're spending on, on devices like this? Yeah, more so for their well-being, but that's another podcast. <laughs> but but with their eyes, uh, what, what most of the public is very unaware of is the more nearsighted a child becomes, now and as an adult, that child's at a much, much greater risk for some potentially serious eye problems such as retinal detachments and glaucoma. So there's there's eye health issues that, that come along with this. Yeah, and I want to talk about that too because that is affecting adults as well. So children and adults, what types of things can myopia lead to uh, that may be more serious than maybe just corrective lenses? Well, again, the very big ones that are potentially sight-threatening would be um, retinal detachments. The retina is the nerve tissue in the very very back of the eye and glaucoma. You know, again, as, as a child's becoming more and more nearsighted, that eyeball is growing longer and longer which in turn is thinning out that retina, that nerve tissue, and that's what makes these folks, um, it puts them at a greater risk for retinal detachments as, as an adult. And what are the treatment options for something like that if, if somebody does progress to that stage? A retinal detachment, um, almost always surgical. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not an easy, and not, not as easy as just getting a pair of glasses and, and fixing that. So no, it's, 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 it's a pretty intense, it's, it's a big deal. Again, uh, which, which has the potential to result in um, permanent vision loss. Mm-hmm. So some people listening to this, and, and particularly now just because of the environment that we're living in, some people listening might just be saying, well, I mean, what can we really do? We're on our computers all day for work. We're on devices you know, while we're traveling. Kids now are doing more virtual school and virtual learning. Let's talk about what we can do to kind of lessen the impact of, of some of these things on our vision. And and maybe let's start with kids. So do you have any specific tips or recommendations for for children? For, first of all, if, if, you, if you have children young enough where they're still listening to you, congrats. <laughs> but, but if you can get them outside playing, again, the natural daylight, um, I've, uh, there's studies that um, prove this, and I personally be, believe this, that, that can greatly help reduce um, the age at which a, a child becomes nearsighted and potentially um, slow down the progression. And then just, and, and this is the magic question, you know, how do we get these kids off their phones? I, I have three children myself. They're older now, but everywhere you go, anywhere you go, there, there's, unfortunately, in my opinion, there's few parents who've figured that one out. So if your children are young enough, um, limit that time now. I, I, w- I would love to go back in time with my own kids. Um, again, they're they're young adults now, but if you can catch the kids young, limit that that usage. Um, I, I had one mother, and this was just a, a beautiful way to handle it. Her, her what she personally did is um, she made a deal with her children. If if you want a half an hour phone time or video game time, you have to read for an hour. Mm-hmm. You know, just one example of how you could handle this. 
Yeah, absolutely. Getting creative a little bit with those with those kids, for sure. You had mentioned just the natural light ability. Some research that I had done just, you know, in my own work here is is the, is the benefit of, of maybe being on your devices when there is an external light source versus, you know, just in complete darkness and staring at Do you see any difference there? I mean, honestly, I, I've read some research like that as well. I, I don't know if I could personally quantify mm-hmm. how much that would help. It certainly would. You know, the less we're straining and squinting, it's going to help some. Um, I, I can't put a solid figure on that for you. And is there any one device or screen that's better than others? I mean, for the purpose of, of this conversation, is it is it all screens or... I mean, they're all horrible in their own way. They're they're great when we need them. But I mean, just generally speaking, I would say the bigger, the better. You know, if if you have a a real small phone versus looking at a large computer screen, first of all, the phone's smaller, so we have to focus harder. And then it's usually closest closer to us, which which again makes us focus harder than that computer that's that's typically about arm's length away. I know. Um you yourself in the past has has made some recommendations just for adults too who are on their computers all day long. Can you talk about um, the 20-20-20 rule or other recommendations as far as adults and their screen time? I mean, the big thing with adults was, again, when it's possible, you take a break. Mm-hmm. And when we're in this crazy working world where quite often there there's not that luxury to take them, but, but when you can take a break, Walk around, look in the distance, you know, as opposed to grabbing your phone and hopping on Facebook, you know, whenever we can take a break from looking up close. So that's one. Um, another big one is just get your eyes checked. Mm-hmm. You know, I talk to a lot of adults. Well, I, I, I see great. I don't need my eyes checked. Well, if your prescription's off even a step or two, that can add to your um, strain. And there's there's a lot of new great products out there. There's some fantastic computer glasses that do a lot of this focusing for your eyes so your eyes uh, can relax. Yeah, and I did want to talk about that because, there, you know, you see that all the time now on the market, these blue light glasses or things that help you look at screens, that kind of thing. What do you recommend um, for the, for that or what people should be looking at? So the blue light glasses, that's another hot topic. Um, I I've personally have seen uh, literature both ways. So, so any light coming off our phone or our computer, it's this blue light, high energy, short wavelength light that some studies suggest can harm, can harm the eye, especially the back of the eye, the nerve tissue. Um, I read a study not long ago that suggests that, well, maybe, maybe that energy needs to be 10, 20, 50 times that to do any damage. Now, in clinic, what I've seen is, uh, that first of all, these blue light lenses won't hurt for sure. And I, and I have had some patients say, um, personally for them, they have noticed less, um, computer strain in some even said their, their dry eye doesn't feel as, as bad. Um, but again, again, I I think with that, there's, um, studies pointing to different outcomes or, uh, the risk of this is, is not known for sure at this time, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, You had talked about just some other corrective lenses for, for maybe looking at things up closely. Is that an option for people as well? Of all ages. Absolutely. Um, you know, most, most adults that, that are in need of reading glasses or bifocals, um, the majority of them are, are in these invisible or no-line bifocals, and they work great. And I have a lot of patients that use those, and they have zero symptoms on the computer. 
Um, but for those who do feel like they're struggling, these special computer glasses, the, the sweet spot of the lens, the biggest um, area in your glasses is made just for that distance. So you're not spending half your day searching for that sweet spot in a no-line bifocal. And then for folks that are under 40 that don't need a bifocal or reading glasses, um, when we look up close, we focus, we focus, we focus. If you're going to check your email, it's usually not a big deal. If you're on that computer eight, ten hours a day for work, for some people, by the end of the day, or their eyes have, they've had it. You know, it's a lot of work, so there's computer glasses that younger folks can need as well if they have symptoms. Wonderful. I, I think those are all great options. And I want to talk a little bit about just treatment options for myopia in general. You had mentioned, number one, priority, just getting in to get your eyes checked. Um, routinely, I know that's a regular thing that you guys recommend. What options are available for uh, someone who may be suffering from blurry vision or, or what could be potentially myopia? Well, the options are glasses and contacts, which most folks are aware of. Laser. A lot of people have heard of laser or know a friend who's had their eyes lasered. Um, that, that's a, a great option to correct nearsightedness. The accuracy with that surgery is way up. The complications are very few, and I, I just don't see any anymore. Um, but with children, my, my passion's orthokeratology. And in just a brief explanation, again, we stated earlier that children who are nearsighted, these kids, as they grow, they, they get worse almost every year. Um, with orthokeratology, we fit these children with molds, which are very similar to a hard contact with a special shape to them. I, I have these kids put these in at bedtime. So while they're sleeping with this mold on, this is reshaping the front clear part of their eye, the cornea, temporarily. But most of my children, they'll wake in the morning, they'll take these out, and, and they'll see without their glasses and contacts um, during their waking hours. And then for most of these kids, it significantly reduces the progression of this nearsightedness as they grow. Um, it, this orthokeratology, it's um, a lot more docs are fitting this in the States, but this is nothing new. They've, they've been doing this in China for well over 30 years now. Yeah, that's an interesting procedure, and I think one that, that is interesting to people because it might be less familiar than maybe some of the other corrective options. Well, for sure. It's Again, it's my passion. It's my uh, favorite thing to do, but very few people I, I mentioned it to have ever heard of it. Mm -hmm. That's correct. Can you talk about just maybe some of the successes that you've seen with, with patients with OrthoKing? Oh, it's, uh, I don't know where to start with. with it. So this can be done for all agents. Again, my, my target market, if you will, is the children just because I can help slow down this progression. But my success fitting children is probably 95%. Mm -hmm. um, it's working fantastic. Now, I do have some adults that I fit this on as well. And, and these might be people who had considered laser, but they're they're a little nervous. Or, or other folks who had worn um, soft contacts their whole lives. And now, now as, we're, as they're getting older, their eyes are drying out, so there's less comfort there. And um, it's a little, little less successful with the adults, um, but still probably about 80%. Interesting. And so is there a better candidate for, for that procedure or, or somebody that makes a good candidate versus someone who maybe wouldn't? It, it can only correct up to a certain amount, and, and that's pretty high. But if, if someone has an extreme amount of myopia or nearsightedness, they would not be a good candidate. If someone had any corneal diseases, 
they would not be a good candidate. Um, nine out of ten people that ask me if it's an option for them, I, I am able to tell them, yes, it is, though, after evaluation. So all of these um, options are available at Baycare Clinic Eye Specialists. And, and for those who are listening who maybe are experiencing eye issues, whether that be blurry vision related to time spent on devices or maybe not, what's the next step for them as far as you're concerned? Come in for an exam. I mean, especially nowadays, nowadays with um, COVID, I just actually was thinking about this recently. Even these visual eye screenings they were doing at school on occasion, these aren't getting done now, you know, with everything being virtual. So if you think there's a possibility your child might be having issues or, or yourself, just get in, get a professional opinion to see if we can um, help. And, and for children, if they've never had their eyes checked, get in to get a, a good baseline. Not only can we tell you where your child is currently at, but we have a pretty good way of predicting for you where they're headed visually. This is very helpful information. Is there anything else that you want to add, Dr. Lavelli? No, again, just, just if you haven't been checked for a while, come see us. We'd be happy to see you and um, help you with any issues you might be having. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Dr. LaValle. Again, this is great information, I think helpful for those who are listening. Again, Dr. Brad LaValle is an optometrist at Baycare Clinic Eye Specialists. Baycare Clinic Eye Specialists serves patients throughout Northeast Wisconsin and Michigan's Upper Peninsula. To learn more or to request an appointment, visit baycare.net.